Greetings. Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially about the Earth and all that is in it and beyond. Joseph Kursky here, your host, geographer, and educator. Today's topic, Wegener. On solid ground? Not so much. Wegener. On solid ground? Not so much. Anyone who looks at a map of the world has probably noticed that South America and Africa seem as though they are two pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that could fit together if the Atlantic Ocean were removed. And, of course, people had been noticing this as soon as the first accurate world maps showing South America were drawn during the late Renaissance. Indeed, the Dutch cartographer Abraham Ortelius noted the continental outline curiosity as early as 1596. Few were willing to see this as anything but a coincidence, however, until the German meteorologist and geographer Alfred Wegener, W-E-G-E-N-E-R, W-E-G-E-N-E-R, 1880-1930, showed that fossil and geological evidence pointed to the same conclusion, that South America and Africa were indeed joined at some point in the past. But Wegener went much further. He claimed that all of the continents were once part of an enormous supercontinent that existed 200 million years ago. He named this continent Pangaea, P-A-N-G-A-E-A. Wegener was known during his lifetime for his achievements in meteorology and in polar research, including pioneering work on discovery of the jet stream and taking the first boring of ice cores on a moving glacier. However, he is revolutionary in geography and beyond for his formulation of the theory of continental drift, or how the continents move. Wegener first outlined his theory in his the Origin of Continents and Oceans in 1915, all the more impressive because he was on active duty during World War I at the time. After completing his doctoral studies in astronomy at the University of Berlin, Wegener found himself drawn not to observatory science but to fieldwork, which allowed him to cross into a variety of disciplines. These included geography, geology, geophysics, astronomy, geodesy, atmospheric physics, meteorology, and glaciology. Like others described in my book, The Interpreting Our World, 100 Most Revolutionary Moments in Geography, he extensively studied the work of those who had gone before him, such as Hutton. He completed his groundbreaking work while grappling with financial difficulty, war, economic depression, isolation, and skepticism from the scientific community, illness, and injury. So he overcame a lot of adversity. Wigener was ever true to his roots of getting out into the field to conduct investigations, as others that I describe in that book, Interpreting Our World, were also very much tied to field work. In fact, Wegener died in 1930 of overexertion on an expedition to Greenland, seeking to prove that the, the Greenland ice cap and calculate its rate of drift. Besides Ortelius's map observation that I noted earlier, Sir Francis Bacon in 1620 noted, quote, a curious fit between the continents, end quote, and in 1858, French geographer Antonio Schneider Pellegrini 
made a map of the supercontinent formed by America and Africa when joined. Then, American geologist Frank Taylor in 1908 suggested that the great mountain chains, such as the Alps, are a result of continental collisions. In 1927, British geologist Arthur Holmes said that radioactive heating was the propelling force of continental drift. In 1937, the South African geologist Alex Dutoit, T-O-I-T, advanced Wegener's theory still further, proposing that there were two supercontinents, Laurasia in the north and Gondwanaland in the south. For his part, Wegener showed that the rock type and age of the rocks in certain places now separated by water was the same, such as India and Antarctica, Australia and Antarctica, India and Africa, and South America and Africa. He provided detailed studies of the Appalachian Mountains in the United States, and the Caledonian Mountains in Scotland were of the same type, alignment, and age as was the Karoo, K-A-R-R-O-O, formation in South Africa, and the Santa Catarina rocks in Brazil. Fossils in those locations, too, showed the same plant and animal species existed there, such as that of the Triassic land reptiles Lystosaurus, Lystrosaurus and Cynognathus, Cynognathus, the fern Glossopteris, and the freshwater reptile Mesosaurus. Despite this evidence, Wegener's theory did not take hold of right away. In fact, most people scorned his theory throughout his lifetime. At a 1926 symposium of the American Association of Petroleum Geologists, his theory was rejected by everyone except the chairman of the symposium. Perhaps it is in part because we as humans needed to feel that we lived on solid ground, a stable planet. Furthermore, Wegener's evidence was explained in terms of other, apparently more plausible theories, in part because the explanations that he gave for the force propelling the motions of the continents was incorrect. One of his explanations was that the continents plowed through oceanic crust, like ice-breaking ships moved through ice-locked seas, which was impossible for the scientific community to accept. Many geologists of Wegener's time believed that the Earth was contracting, causing mountains to buckle up like wrinkles on a huge raisin, and they believed that the fossils found on different continents were due to land bridges that had long since sunk below the ocean. After 30 years after Wegener's death, during the 1950s now, deep-sea studies began to support the idea of continental drift. New rock was observed and dated in the middle of the oceans. This new rock emerged from deep within the Earth, pushing continents such as Europe and North America and Africa and South America apart. Rock along the continental margins was shown to disappear into the mantle. Furthermore, the rocks equidistant to where the new rock was being formed showed alternating patterns of magnetism. At a certain distance on each side of the line where the rocks were forming, the magnetism of all the rocks was aligned with a magnetic pole in one location, and then at another distance, again on each side, the magnetism of all the rocks was aligned with the magnetic pole in another location. This showed how the crust moved away in both directions from a line of rock formation. Hmm. All of this led to the concept of plate tectonics, from the Latin tectonicus, meaning, meaning building. This theory explains many of the Earth's land and oceanic features as a result of the motion of gigantic solid crustal plates floating over the molten interior of the Earth. In 1960, Harry Hess of Princeton University, USA, 
put forward the idea of seafloor spreading, and three years later, Drummond, Matthews, and others published the evidence for the spreading. And during the 1990s, satellite and GPS evidence showed that continents can move up to 6 inches, or 15 centimeters, per year, though the more typical rate of movement is typically 1 to 2 centimeters annually. But there is much variation. At the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, the rate is roughly the same as that at which fingernails grow, 0.39 to 1.57 inches, or 10 to 40 millimeters, per year, but is 6.3 inches, or 160 millimeters, per year at the Nazca Plate in the Pacific Ocean off South America. Today, it is regularly reported how much sections of continents move after major earthquakes, such as when Scientific American reported that during the 2011 Japan earthquake, quote, the ocean bed moved as much as 164 feet, or 50 meters, laterally, and 52.5 feet, or 16 meters, vertically. Wow, that's quite some movement in one earthquake. In plate tectonics, the lithosphere is broken up into seven or eight major plates, depending on how they are defined, and many more minor plates. Ocean plate thicknesses range from 3.72 miles, or 6 kilometers, at the mid-ocean ridges, to 6.2 miles, or 10 kilometers, at continental edges. Continental plates are typically around 15 to 43 miles, 25 to 70 kilometers, thick. The boundaries of the plates are convergent, divergent or transform, depending on where and how they are joined and the motion at which they meet. The relative importance of the factors causing the motion of the plates and the mantle underneath them is under debate, but it is a combination of density variations between the lithosphere and the underlying asthenosphere, topography, gravity, drag, suction, and the rotation of the earth and tidal forces of the sun and moon. The heat generated by radioactive decay in the Earth's interior releases energy in the form of heat. Heated rock becomes viscous, and because when heated becomes less dense than the material around it, rises through the mantle and spreads out on the surface at the ocean floors. These locations are typically in the middle of the oceans and, when viewed on a map, form lines thousands of kilometers long, interrupted by perpendicular faults or breaks in the Earth's crust. When plates move against each other, pressure is built up and released in the form of earthquakes. Many mountain ranges are explained by plate tectonics, or the result of plates pushing up against each other. Volcanoes as well, as in large part explained by plate tectonics. Lighter continental rocks are pushed over heavier oceanic rocks, causing friction, melting, and rising of molten material which is released to the surface as a volcanic eruption. Continued eruptions cause material to build up higher and higher, forming volcanic mountains and entire volcanic mountain ranges such as the Andes in South America and the Cascades in North America. Hot spots, or areas where the crust is thin, cause earthquakes and volcanoes in the middle of plates, in oceanic plates resulting in the formation, for example, of the Hawaiian Islands, and in continental plates resulting in the formation of geysers and hot springs in Yellowstone National Park in North America. Plate tectonics influences natural hazards and human response to those hazards, a central theme to geography. Plate tectonics influences landforms and therefore climate and weather and even soil development. Because so many features and processes on and under the earth are explained through plate tectonics, Wegener and his ideas were revolutionary to the understanding of the physical geography of planet earth. And that is a little bit about Wegener. On solid ground? Not so much. Alfred Wegener, 
1880-1930, Plate Tectonics Pioneer. This has been another installment of the Thinking Spatially podcast, Joseph Kursky, your host, wishing you all a very spatial day. Thanks. Thank you.